1 Corinthians series, chapter 2. My text today is only three verses. Chapter 2, verse 14 through 16. The title of the message is The Work of the Holy Spirit and God's Wisdom. Let's put that in context a little bit. Although our text begins with verse 14, I'm going to take your attention to verse 13. And last week, we meditate on this together. Paul writes about God's secret and hidden wisdom. And then he says, we. Why we? Because he puts himself as one of the apostles of Jesus Christ. So we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. In essence, what Paul is communicating is the gospel is not from the human wisdom. No man can come up with that kind of idea. No eyes have seen that. No ears have heard. God's way is different. And God's way transcendently wiser. So God's paradoxical way of salvation for the mankind is not through the human wisdom. But through the wisdom of God that's been hidden and that's secret to the blinded people of this generation. So in other words, God's wisdom is something that people can despise because of its folliness, because of its offensiveness of the nature. If we turn to Jesus himself, Matthew eleven twenty five to 26, Jesus puts it this way. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Little children doesn't mean just age-wise children, but childlike people. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And so far, Paul has been expounding on the characteristics of God's wisdom. Today, he concludes with this remarks on the spiritual person and then unspiritual person, but more correctly translated, it would be the natural person. The question that we need to ask first is, um, when Holy Spirit taught the apostles, in, in 2 Timothy 3.16 and 3.18 says, it is inspired word of God. God breathed. And oftentimes there is misunderstanding on 
the idea of inspiration of scripture by the Holy Spirit. So unless we are clear about that, the today's passage is about much about illumination of the Holy Spirit on the scripture in, on, in which we live, uh, we, we read. So let's clarify the meaning of inspiration of the Holy Spirit, inspiration of Scripture. What does it mean that Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit? Number one, it does not mean verbal dictation. The idea of God is, write this down, I, Paul, send you church in Corinth. It doesn't work that way. It is sometimes a naive way of thinking. And then because of the people's uh, preconceived mind that inspiration looks like this, we oftentimes falls into disillusionment in general. Another one is it does not mean every word of Scripture is literally true. And this is often a question from our non-Christian friends, is it? Do you really believe the whole Bible is literally true to you? And then, if we're not careful, without much thinking, we will say, yes, I believe. But let me say this. Do you believe whatever I say to you is literally true? And I say, hold your horses. And you're thinking, where is my horse? Go break a leg. Go break a leg. I, I don't want to be violent. You know? You get the idea. There's a genres and there's a different... Bible is... Duality of Bible is... It's, Bible is inspired God's word. But also, Bible is word of human literature. But God's word didn't come in in vacuum. God's word came into culture, language. So because of that, we need to think about you know, the way that we would read Psalm, the way we, we would read and understand parables, the way we would read the historical books will be different. In the same sense, when when we're reading newspaper, the comic strips, um, the front page, the news about World Cup, things will be different in terms of how we understand. So Bible is literally true. It's misleading. We could say, What God presents as his truth through the Bible, through the human culture and language, is always true. And it it happens over and over. Archaeologists would kind of doubt about some of the mentioned, the cities mentioned in the Old Testament. So they made it up. And later on, they discovered archaeological evidences. 
On the other hand, you heard about Book of Mormons, right? Book of Mormon is full of holes in, the, in terms of those things. It is man-made, and in, in the truth will come out even more the more you find out. But as opposed to that, when you continually dig up the evidence to, to refute the Bible, God's word, what happens is it becomes truer, truer to it. So many people who, are, who were skeptical, who went all out to prove that Bible is wrong, came out to become Christians. And many of them are now really well known, starting with C.S. Lewis, Josh McDowell, and Lou Wallace, retired general, who wrote Later on, with all the evidences that he collected, he became a Christian, wrote the famous novel, Ben-Hur, which later became a movie. Number three, Scripture is inspired by the Holy Spirit. It does not mean every text of Scripture is true, even in isolation from its context. Uh, people like John Stott gives this kind of uh, example. Book of Job, his friends, companions come, and they grieve together in silence, which is a wonderful thing for the hurting people, with no words, sitting down in ashes together. But when they start opening their mouth, all these Follies are coming out. When you read those things and take it out of context, see, is this really true? No, because of John Ra, the biblical author is concluding, I mean, including those quotes, which is not true. So one of the deadly uh, sins that modern pragmatic Christians can do is looking for things that could support what you want to do. So taken out of the context. Text uh, taken out of the context becomes a pretext. It could, you could back up almost anything. Anything that you want to do. Like a pick and choose from the Bible. That doesn't uh, that is deadly habit. And rather, it means what the Holy Spirit spoke through the biblical authors and their culture and language is true and without error. So if you see Paul's letter, Apostle Paul's letter, you sense his personalities, impenetrated by the Holy Spirit. You sense Jewish culture in Old Testaments everywhere and language. And then the New Testament Greek, because it was a Greco-Roman world. And each author's personalities and background 
We're different. So that's what it means to be inspired by the Holy Spirit. So because of misunderstanding, lately I've been hearing over and over the attack on the infallible Word of God. The concept is the, the inspiration of, of Word of God. And let's be watchful. It goes like this. In the old days, the liberalism will say, oh, we don't believe any of those things. The miracles do not exist. So Bible is totally made up by human authors. It is not inspired. It is just one of the literatures. That, that was the old school, 1930s and 40s. But nowadays, neoliberalism, many people have accepted the spiritual and supernatural things. And in very scholarly way, they would say, there is God's word in the Bible. Now, how do you know which one is God's word and which one is human word? You decide. In other words, it's a man-centered. So anything that is disturbing to you, they will say, without in, in attempting to understand context, contextually, draw the universal principle that could be applied in every single culture and time. And they will say, this is irrelevant because it's a cultural thing. This is man's culture thing. That happens all the time these days. And one of the largest uh, United Methodist pastor wrote a book, a controversial book these days. And when I read it, I smelled the neoliberalism all over it, which is very sounding, very savvy, very Christian, very spiritual, very open, very tolerant. But and yet at the center of it, man's wisdom and decision dictates all of it. So the question that we're asking this morning in light of this is what is the work of the Holy Spirit? Now we understand Holy Spirit's work was inspired the, the biblical authors. What about, what about our side? The inspiration, revelation ended. What about our side in understanding? Number one, Paul talks about the natural person is not able to understand the things of the Spirit. Verse 14 says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them because they are, the things of the Spirit of God, are spiritually discerned. First, definition first. The natural person doesn't mean the person who doesn't force things. I, I you know, I, I, um, I like to be natural at home. So 
when you come home, at least, uh, you know, knock on the door for me. Because a lot of times my, I'm shirtless or pantsless and just, my boys are warning, you know, warning me, oh, Auntie Jessica is coming, you better. So sometimes I, uh, that's, I'm natural in this, right? Some of you, some of you are, you know, natural like me. You don't want to force things, you know. But it doesn't mean that. Natural person is, you are physically born and nothing happened supernaturally on you. So natural person, according to scripture, is blinded spiritually. Why? Because of original sin, because of sin nature in us. We do not understand what God's revealing as a secret wisdom of God. So that's why the word of cross is folly, foolishness, to those who are perishing, to those who do not have the Holy Spirit. Because they are blinded. And God's wisdom is secret and hidden in the sense to shame the wise and the strong and the powerful. And the God's way is to use the foolish and the weak for His glory. There is no room for pride in understanding God's wisdom. So, have you thought about the, your own experience when you talk to your non-Christian friends? And they might be highly educated and even great IQ and great intellect with the degrees. Not only masters and PhDs, but the simple truth of the gospel that Jesus shed his precious blood to redeem us from what we cannot do, i.e. saving ourselves. This is nonsense to them. It doesn't make sense. And going further, when you try to explain what God has revealed, and it just really makes sense when you listen with the openness to the Holy Spirit, the design of marriage, design, purpose of family, the man's ultimate end and goal of life. But to the natural person, this doesn't make sense. Because he himself is at the center of the universe. So let's not be discouraged when we talk to well-meaning non-Christian friends. Let's pray for their spirit to be touched by the Holy Spirit. Let's not try to win the battle by arguing, by learning the logic so tightly, airtight. We need to depend on the power of the Holy Spirit. At the same time, the same thing, that, to, as, as much as we are concerned about society issues, because a natural man rules it, the issues of marriage and other things, instead of fighting politically, although we should 
participate in political activities, to make a difference, to be salt and light. We need to see the true work of the Holy Spirit is actually transformation of the person's heart. Until then, the society will not be genuinely changed and transformed. The greatest sin, one of the greatest sins the church has committed is a crusade by force beating others to buy in to what you believe. So a natural person is not just a difficult to understand. They cannot understand according to what Paul wrote. Number two, contrastingly, the tr- spiritual person is able to understand and discern the things of the spirit. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. By no one doesn't mean that really literally no one, because if the spiritual person um, judges all things, and then there are other spiritual persons, judges all things. So this, this, this doesn't mean that the scripture is danger, is a, whatever that you, you understand, as a, you commit, is I don't need to hear anybody else, whatever I have a conviction with, that's ultimately pride, dangerous. The scripture should be interpreted, understood as a community. But God's voice is not just to individual, but the community of God's people. But let's define the spiritual person uh, first. The spiritual person, uh, Romans 8, 9, and clear, clearly defines that. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. Every genuine believer... When we accept Jesus Christ, and when we are regenerated, born again, Holy Spirit is given to us as a gift, as a, as a down payment of eternal salvation. The Bible calls it sealing of the Holy Spirit. So this passage, the contrast is very clear. The natural person who's not born again, who doesn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him or in her, the spiritual person, not necessarily spiritual guru or perfect people, are so mature that, that wisdom oozes out of that person, but the spirit, spiritual person means one who is saved genuinely, Holy Spirit dwells in that person, and therefore his or he, hers eyes of the heart. Spiritual eyes are open. In chapter 3, there is a, another c- comparison and contrasting. The infants or babes in Christ. He said, although you are saved, I don't deal with you, Paul says, as spiritual people. 
meaning they're saved, but in, in their own flesh and carnality, their own stubborn will, Holy Spirit is not ruling, is not leading their life, so therefore they act like a little babies, spiritual babies. And he compares the spiritual mature person that way. But in this text, the contrast is the natural person who is without the Holy Spirit, the spiritual person, one who is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But as the scripture says in, in, in this regard, the things of the Spirit is secret, hidden wisdom of, wisdom of God. And that can, can be understood when the Holy Spirit opens our spiritual eyes. And therefore, when we are yield, when we are rely on Holy Spirit, Bible opens up. The beautiful things happen. I've been meeting, uh, you know, having quiet time with my boys during the summer. My youngest one. I thought the passage was difficult. And as we're praying, we begin with this prayer. You know, different kid volunteers. And Soya one day, one morning, prayed, God, help me understand what you're trying to say through this quiet time passage today. In Jesus' name. His application is solid. The quiet time sharings in our um, adult, not so solid. <laughs> Off target. Reading into scripture. Do you believe this? I know intellectually you are in agreement with almost everything I say, if not all. But you wouldn't be here. You wouldn't come to this kind of church. But my challenge this morning is whether we are following through what we say we believe. If God has secret hidden wisdom that can be opened up by the Holy Spirit who is indwelling in you every morning, we should approach the scripture that way. Rather than uh, obligation like homework and just open it and try to get some meaning out of it and you would, even if it's just a few seconds like Soya did. God, open my eyes. Holy Spirit, would you illuminate Help me understand what you are saying. Then, according to scripture, you will become wise. And not only on just the conceptual things in our parenting, in our marriage, in our daily walk with God, in our career, in every aspect, we will be led by the Spirit. 
The issue is we're following through what we say we believe, that we want to be guided by the Holy Spirit. And my confession is that it's easy to believe the static documents of the scripture, the doctrinal statement. Day to day, as I look back my past ministries, I have a much deep regret that I wasn't guided or the church wasn't guided by the scripture, illuminated by the Holy Spirit this way. So therefore, the static doctrines were solid and conservative, conservative, but every day how we do church life was pragmatic, man's way. Persists, persists always superior in, in some sense. Number three, Holy Spirit is the one who enables the spiritual person to have the mind of Christ through God's wisdom in Scripture. Isn't that a wonderful statement? For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. With the help of the Holy Spirit, illumination of the Spirit, we can begin to sense what Christ values, what makes his heart tick. We could have the mind of Christ. So I think in this sense we need to talk about the, the special revelation, inspiration that had been only delegated to the biblical authors. So whenever you know, uh, songwriters or TV preachers will say, I was inspired that night. Uh, you, you felt some good feelings. We agree. We have sensed, you know, we sense that from time to time. But that is not absolutely the same thing as inspired by the Holy Spirit. Christ, through his Holy Spirit, taught the very secret wisdom, the way of salvation, the church, the, all the secret things that revealed in Scripture. And that's not available to us. That, that kind of inspiration and Scripture. Revelation. But, however, it is also Holy Spirit who enlightens the spiritual person, those who have Christ and indwelt by the Holy Spirit, to understand what is written by the inspired biblical authors. Okay, what, what does it mean then? It's like this. You have a friend you're, you're taking, John Stott mentions this, by the way. I'm going to credit him, make sure. And you, you want to show him this great picture, great paint, but it's veiled. But he or she is blindfolded. Two things need to happen. First of all, this thing has to be unveiled. 
revelation, inspiration. God's secret wisdom is unveiled now in Scripture, written. But at the same time, your friend has to be The blindfold has to be taken off of your friend. That is illumination or enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. This is subjective to every person who follows followers of Christ can have the illumination of the Spirit. Only apostles and biblical authors are given the revelation and inspiration. The great truth and exciting things is that Holy Spirit who wrote through the biblical authors wants us to to see and to to take our blindfold off so we may be able to see. And therefore we begin to know the mind of Christ. And number four, what does it all this mean? Let's put it all together. Hence, we are to acknowledge and re- rely, rely on the illumination of the Spirit as we approach the Scripture. Psalm 119. This is a great prayer that we could pray before our quiet daily quiet time. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Could you be child, childlike this week? Every morning when you open up, don't start reading the Bible out of pressure or just you need to share on your email. Pray childlike way. Open my eyes that I may see wondrous things out of your law. Frankly, my testimony, ongoing testimony, in the beginning, it didn't make sense. As I prayed and dependent, and it wasn't meaningful. At the end of the 30-minute or 40-minute quiet time, the scripture became alive. And it became a penetrating application on my life. Such as yesterday. So we gather in the morning as, uh, for a prayer meeting. My instinct was, I want to share what happened about stolen wallet and keys and an iPhone. But the scripture says, seek kingdom. Do not worry. All these things, where your treasure is, treasure Jesus above all else. Is your heart in that? What can men do to me? This guy can steal things from me. What, what can he do? Fear God who can determine the destiny, eternal destiny. Who has numbered, the, who has counted the numbers of your hair? He cares so much. Ravens and li- lilies are taken care of, but you are much, so much more valued than many birds. And many of the lilies. So we began with not my sharing about tragic events, but we began focusing on God, praising and adoration. 
That, I believe that's how transformation happened in my heart. I, I feel steadier. I still feel naked because I don't have phone and walnut. Ephesians 1, 18 to 19. Paul prays for the Christians in Ephesus. And he's praying, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? So let's pray for each other in our community. The brothers in our men's group, brothers, sisters in our women's group, in our home group community, at Crossway family, the Holy Spirit will open the eyes of our heart that we may really see the eternal reality. Otherwise, we're going to be succumbed to the values of materialistic affluence and comfort chasing Orange County culture. First, Obviously, we need to acknowledge our need for the Spirit's help. The second, we need to also be diligent in meditating on Scripture rather than being lazy. We need to be like the, the psalmist saying, even in the night I get up and meditate on your word. Day and night, we need to seek and chew on the word. And both are necessary, but because of the, the work of the Holy Spirit, emphasis on this passage, let's open our eyes to our own need and pray for our brothers and sisters who are not doing well in that sense as well. I close with John Stott's quote. He writes, so we need to humble ourselves before the, both the Word and the Spirit. We still have to study the Word to ponder its meaning and application. But we also need to cry to the Holy Spirit for enlightenment. Humble prayer and diligent study need to be combined. A heavenly messenger said to Daniel, Since the first that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard. Similarly, Paul wrote to Timothy, reflect on what I am saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all this. We do pondering, he does the enlightening. For the word remains a dead letter until the spirit brings to life. May our community begin to experience the richness of Spirit's illumination. That God's secret hidden wisdom is opens up as a wondrous things. 
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this reminder. We also are mindful of the fact that we live among the natural men and women in society who are, that is utterly becoming secular without God and without the Holy Spirit. For us to really follow you with conviction and the confidence that comes from you, we need you daily. Holy Spirit, open our eyes to the wonderful, secret, hidden wisdom of God in Scripture. Bend bend our hunger, our tendency of, of our heart, that we may taste the goodness of Scripture, of God in Scripture. We do pray that you will make our hearts steady as we send our short-term mission team and participating and encouraging and challenging one another as the community of the spiritual people who follow Christ. We thank you. We pray all these things in the name of the Father, of the Son, of the Holy Spirit. Amen.